All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. We're going to have a couple of these this week. Uh, first question here from Can Shelby I say something George. real quick? Yeah, though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, hey, folks, thanks so much for your questions. I, I'm, I'm sorry we don't get to all of them, but I do. Pre- and I always ask, we always ask, and you guys have not let us down. And I know we only have so much time, but I'm going to do a better job of trying to answer questions that we don't get to on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go back, and if you have a bunch of questions and we don't get to, we only used to get to three of them or so, but I'm going to try and get back to your question if we don't get to it. So, but I'll make but, I'll make this promise. Whenever I whenever I run into to Brian at the Star or anything else, I'll have a I'll have my cell phone ready mm-hmm. and I'll just I'll turn it on. I'll just put it right in Brian's face and I'll throw him one of your questions and yeah. we'll get a quick like thirty second answer out of there him. You we'll go. collect them eventually. But no, I really no no I really I know Bobby does too. Really appreciate you yeah, guys absolutely. hanging with us on that because. Every week we ask, every week you deliver, and there's sometimes your questions don't get asked. And you're probably like, ah, damn it, I'm not going to ask any more questions. But I'm going to either try and ask them like Bobby's talking about or answer them on Twitter afterwards if that helps. We're so you can keep, yeah, yeah, we'll and get here, to them. Here, we'll get to a few of them right now, though. Uh, first question here from Shelby George. Uh, he's saying, what are your thoughts on this week's matchups, uh, matchup between Kayvon Thibodeau and Tyron Smith? Uh, do you think Thibodeau can wreck the game plan? Obviously, I know you're going to dive more into yeah. the Giants film, but you're you're very familiar with Thibodeau, how he yeah. was at Oregon, how he's progressed. I, I will say that Thibodeau does feel like the type of player that could give Tyron in his current state some fits. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely think we're going to be talking about this as a big marquee matchup that's going to have a huge impact on this game. It will. And, you know, the, the thing that makes the Giants so interesting, Bobby, thanks for qualifying. Yeah, it, tomorrow starts my looking at Giants stuff. and But the Giants are really good inside at defensive tackle. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, and then, you know, and Wink Martindale, like he's blitzing right off the bus, you know, so there's things you're going to have to deal with with, protect, with protection problems, crowd noise, things like that. The thing with Thibodeau is he is, uh, you know, he started off pretty slow. He was kind of banged up a little bit and then really finished the year pretty strong for them. So, yeah, and you're absolutely right. The one thing that Thibodeau has is the ability to not only capture the corner, but he also has the ability to get down inside. And when you rush inside on Tyron Smith, that seems to be the weakest part of his game right now, that he can't push off that left foot and get back inside quick enough. So, uh, you know, a a big – Big, uh, you know, we had some news about Tyler Smith today with some, as we taped this on Monday, uh, with some hamstring tightness. You know, need to monitor that during the week because could that turn into, is that turn into uh, uh, TJ Bass all of a sudden, you know, tomorrow or on Wednesday when we have practice, we have to kind of see if, if Tyler Smith is out there practicing at left guard. Because somebody like Tyler Smith could kind of clean up the mess if Tyron Smith gets beat to the inside. But the Giants are, you know, like I said, they've got a good inside group. So there's going to be a lot of one-on-one matchups across that front line that are going to be difficult, and Thibodeau will be one of those. It's interesting you uh, you mentioned that. Let's just tie things in here. Uh, at uh, underscore DCF4L says, it's game day, and Tyler Smith is ruled out as head coach of the Cowboys. Yeah. What's your offensive line lineup? Now, Brian, I, I think you just kind of said it there. You, you would personally go T.J. Bass. I go Bass. I go I Bass. I would go T.J. Bass. I think there is a decent chance this organization would go Chuma Doga. Well, that's, you know, and has a Doga played like 
He's been tackled the majority of the times, right? He's been better when we've seen guard. I don't think he's sure. been great. I don't think sure. he's been great during training camp. I think for them, though, especially oh, no. Solari, yeah. I think they'd say, give me yeah. the veteran. Give yeah, me the guy no, that coach I- is all – you're right, Bobby. Coaches, but if you – if you if on the Brian Broadus scale of who's played well at this point, who's Bass given – been better. Bass is your sixth guy. Yeah. He, he honestly is your sixth best player on the offensive line. Because you got your five starters, and then you've got uh, TJ Bass. So I, I would go Bass just because I feel like in a game where you're having to deal with big, monstery type of defensive tackles, yeah, TJ Bass is kind of a belly to belly, mauler brawler kind of a blocker, and it might bode well for you to play with a guy like that and and just give it a go. I mean, we hey, we we saw what putting Tyler Smith out there at left tackle, everybody was in panic mode. We saw what that was like last season. Kid did a great job. I I'm, I'm I'm TJ Bass is is shown me he he's got a little little mustard to his game. Yeah, and uh next question here from Jen Ford. Uh she says, "What is your confidence level?" Uh, that the Cowboys will come ready to play for game one this year. Seems like they always start slow, uh, likely due to starters not getting game reps in the preseason. I'm a fan of the bubbler app approach, but hoping the players come out hungry. So, Brian, uh, what is your your just general philosophy on on rest versus rust uh, heading into the regular season? And, yeah, we have seen occasionally the Cowboys come out a little flat. They did last year. Um, and And do you think that – that's something they'll have to guard against in this first game with the Giants. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and but I also know this though, Bobby, and thanks for the question there, Jen. The 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 I feel like though that this training camp has been good for the offense for the fact that they've gone against this defense. Yeah. I, I think that I think there were some practices during the week, full padded practices in Oxnard on a Tuesday and a Wednesday you know, with an off day looming that they they got stuff done. And then there were times like, okay, they had their approach where they played the three preseason games. They learned a lot about guys in those preseason games. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't the starters they learned about. They learned about TJ Bass. They learned about, uh, you know, they learned about our, uh, about Wanye uh, Thomas. They learned about some guys along the way. And playing those young guys and getting them, you know, three games of work, I think helps them for the backup aspect of it. But I, I just the thing that always scares me in the early season games, and I and I'll be interested to see how the weather plays. And it might be one of those nice evenings in you know in uh, at the Meadowlands there, where because you always worry about cramping in the early games. You always worry about yeah. these starters not playing at all in the preseason but they're working out you know they're working out and they're trying but you always worry about the cramping that's the one thing we saw it in college football the other day uh the games we watch except for our receiver at uh colorado who played 130 some odd plays it seemed like that was amazing stud but but to me the thing that always scares me is the cramping aspect but that's that's where the starters have not gotten game action but the practice action, I think, has been really, really, really good, and so I, I'm I'm hopeful that that work against their own defense will help them, will propel them to get off to a good start. I do obviously things can change over the course of five days. Uh, the present forecast, Brian, for kickoff that night 
77 degrees with 73% humidity and a 50% chance of scattered thunderstorms. So we might have some, uh, so we might play in some wet football. Yeah, it might be some wet football. It might also be, like I said, that 77% humidity is not a good thing to deal with. At least you're not opening like it. You know, they, they have Miami on the schedule. Right, they have the Dolphins on the schedule where they're playing a game in Miami. At least they're not opening it like Buffalo did last year. Remember that yeah. that that thing that Buffalo had to endure early season. So yeah, it's I think they're fortunate. Uh, you know, we'll see. But I always do worry about the cramping, and uh, you know, and we'll see if they get off to a good start. Mike's got to get a good start as a play caller too. Get off, get Dak going, get the running game going. You know, keep it stay ahead of the change, which is something we'll talk about quite a bit during the week. Obviously, you are uh, you're a guy who spent a lot of time in Green Bay, uh, but but absent the the advantage that you know it was for your Packers at the time, uh, I'm curious. Do you, would you have preferred your team? Let's say you're you're from a warm weather climate, the Cowboys going on the road. Would you have preferred your team playing in the rain or the snow? Snow. Snow is easier to play snow, than, than snow, rain. Snow to me because snow to me is like. You know, when you're dealing with that, snow is cold, of course. I'll tell you the worst one. We did we played the NFC divisional game against the 49ers in a mix of rain and cold, which is which is a uh which is a night we handled it well. Team handled it well. But yeah, that's the tough one. Snow, at least you know where you're going, you know, you can kind of deal with the footing is sometimes questionable. But throwing that wet ball in the sn- in the rain is, you know, for some guys is pretty difficult to do. Dak handles it, I think, pretty well. But yeah, I, give me the snow because you can you can kind of navigate that a little bit better than the rain. I we've been in some games, like I said, when I was in Green Bay, we played the Bears on a Monday night in a monsoon, and you know, fortunate Brett Favre was a really good wet weather quarterback as well. So. You know, it depends on it depends on your team, depends on your uh, depends on your uh, your coach and his ability to call plays, though, too. All right, so just before we uh, we we wrap up here, we we needed to carve out the last couple minutes here to acknowledge the passing of Gil Brandt, yeah. um, who uh, you know really to this day his impact is still felt in the way you know NFL teams evaluate players and. Uh-huh. Um, was the uh, director of player personnel for the Cowboys for 29 years. I he he was not hell of a run. Year. He was here the second year, I think, is what it was. He he didn't join right out of the first year, but yeah, uh, you know, an, an incredibly forward-thinking individual, and uh, you know, somebody who who's like I said, his impact still felt to this day in in front offices around the you know uh, around the league. Um, Brian. Just some of your thoughts, and then I I, I want to share a, uh, a an interesting snippet I found from an article about thirty five years ago uh, talking about Gil Brandt. But some of your thoughts on Gil Brandt and his passing. Well, I tell you what, man, Gil was a he was one of a kind. Was a baby photographer before he got in the NFL. That was his job. Taking, that was his take, gig. Taking pictures of babies is what he was, and so he got on with the Cowboys. A tremendous. Uh, uh, a group that he worked with, with himself, Tex Ram, Tom Landry, Hall of Famers themselves. Um, as a season ticket holder, I know folks know this for 20 some odd years from 1972 to 1992 with my family. I didn't see much losing football. And he was responsible for a lot of the players that were brought in 
to the organization. One of my favorite stories about Gill uh, was uh, how he timed a player in an airport terminal. He stood, he measured off 40 yards, had a kid stand at one end, he stood at the other, got his clock, got the time, wrote it down, and went to his next school, you know, and Gil, Gil is the type of guy that um, you love being around him. The stories were tremendous. Uh, how he and others dealt with uh, before the merger, uh, you know, with the NFL and the AFL, how they they hided, they were hiding players, drafting players, signing players. It, it was just a totally different way of operating. But I'll tell you what, Gil was one of those guys that, and you talk about work a trade, Gil could fleece anybody. He had this ability to make his players that he was trying to trade you sound like that they were all Hall of Famers. In turn, you were getting the opportunity to draft Tony Dorsett, you know, as you're trading away your guys to the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm going to miss Gil. Uh, He was always super, super nice to me. Always had a story for me, like I said. Always, uh, you know, provided me with a a laugh or two along the way. So, um, uh, man... Uh, he was he was one of the he was one of the great ones, and he's uh, one of the pillars of the National Football League and, and of the scouting community and of like as what we know as the combine today. This is uh, this is what we'll close with here. Uh, what I thought was a, a really cool snippet out of the Fort Worth Star Telegram. You remember Anthony Dickerson, the old SMU linebacker, yeah, yeah. played a couple years for the Cowboys, had a uh-huh. ten and a half sack season in nineteen eighty three. Uh-huh. You know, it was considered up and coming. 84 season didn't go as well for him. And and by the time 85 rolled around, he was ready to get out. Cowboys were ready to trade him. And all Gil Brandt was able to get for him was a seventh round pick at the mm-hmm. time. And this was the Fort Worth Star-Telegram recap of it written by Gil Leberton. It said, down at Cowboy Inc., they're quietly cursing the beast that they themselves helped create. The next sound you read will be Gil Brandt's gnashing teeth. It's almost impossible to trade anyone nowadays. It's almost impossible. Two things have happened, Brant contends. People overvalue a draft choice. And second, our game's gotten so complex that if you try to trade someone once training camp starts, people are claiming that they'd be getting him too late to be of much value. And whose fault is this, Gil Lebreton writes? Brant made his name selling the NFL light beer at Dom Perignon prices. Dallas steadfastly built through the draft until after five Super Bowls, someone finally realized that the Cowboys must be doing something right. I don't feel partly responsible. No, Brant says. I don't think we've ever cheated anybody. We've never put a gun to anybody's head, and we've never <laughs> traded a lame horse. Gil Leberton writes, if God were listening, insert lightning bolts here. Yeah. Still, the underground consensus is that the NFL wheeling and dealing calmed dramatically after the 1977 day when Brant engineered the trade with Seattle that brought there Tony set to the Cowboys. <laughs> there you go. The best trade the Cowboys ever made, Brant still says. Yeah. His other favorites for the record are the ones that enabled Dallas to draft Ed Tall jones in 74 uh-huh. from Houston for Tody Smith and Billy Tody. Parks. Yeah. yeah. Randy White in 1975 from the Giants for Craig Morton. That's hardly uh-huh. a complete list either. Danny White, Tony Hill, Harvey Martin, uh-huh. Charlie Waters, Walt Garrison, and Robert Newhouse were drafted and picks obtained by trades. Those were the days. You can almost hear Brant sigh from North Dallas. He'd just finished trading a Dallas Cowboys starting linebacker. He'd gotten a seventh-round pick in the 86th draft. People value a fourth-round pick like it's gold, Brant mutters. Yep. So that was just a cool story well, to me, a, a, a tell, cool snippet in history. Can I tell one quick story about Gil? Because yeah. we're talking about alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> there used to be a uh, – <laughs> there used to be when the Cowboys trained at – thousand oaks out in california mm-hmm. gill had a place in montana 
uh, a home out in Montana before the Yellowstones and all that stuff out there. I mean, he Gil was way ahead of the time for that. And the Cowboys had this thing called the Five O'Clock Club where you used to like when you covered the team, Tex Schramm would had a bar set up so you can go in after practice and have drinks with Tex Schramm oh. and talk football. They call it the Five O'Clock Club. And matter of fact, when I went to work for Tex Schramm in NFL Europe over at Waterway Tower at Williams Square, I, I, like real quick, he, he had a bar set up and we'd after work, we'd have to come in and we'd have to like you mix yourself a drink and you had to tell everybody what you did for the day. That was the way of getting everybody together. But Gil had a way of getting the alcohol from Dallas out to Thousand Oaks. But the truck would make a detour to Montana and drop off like half the alcohol and then make its way to Thousand, Thousand Oaks. So Gil, Gil was able to like, you know, he, he got the wine cellar stocked up, you know, oh. from, uh, from, uh, at, you know, from the Cowboys and stuff. But that was Gil, man. He was, he was, uh, he was one of the best. He really, really was one of a kind, uh, for sure. That- that does it for us here on the Love the Star podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we've got we're, we're back in midseason form, so this is here we go three episodes a week. So uh, this one's dropping on Tuesday as we recorded on Monday. We'll record another Wednesday night. You'll have that one Thursday, and then we'll record again on Thursday night uh, for you guys to have that ready for Friday as we preview the Giants and move forward. For Brian Bradas, I'm Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys again later.